the Intersection Podcast with your host, Matt Goldman. Welcome, everybody, back to the episode of The Intersection. I'm Matt Goldman here for the Sports and Society Initiative Club at Ohio State. I have a special guest today, Allison Lucan, a contributor to the Seattle Kraken, the newest NHL franchise, and an analyst on Root Sports Northwest. Allison, how are you today? Hey, Matt. I'm great. I'm so honored to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Really excited to talk to you today. So for Ohio State viewers listening and anyone else, there are Ohio State ties to Allison, and there's a reason why we brought her on. She used to be a contributor at The Athletic and HockeyViz.com, covering Ohio State men's and women's hockey, Columbus Blue Jackets, and specializing in data-driven storytelling in the world of hockey. So we have some Columbus blood in you, don't we, Allison? <laughs> we do. I'm actually um, a born and raised Columbusite. I from the age of five, used to go to all the football games way back in the day. I have stories. Um, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be from Columbus and have spent many years in Columbus. It's a great city, and, um, and it was a real honor to be able to cover both of the hockey teams while I was there as well. So I was doing some research on you, Allison, and I noticed that you specify in analytics, and you said something about that hockey should be studied as a science and an art. I found that very interesting because I think a lot of people would think that hockey is all you see. Those guys are going to fight and there's just tons of punching, a lot of physicality. And even women's hockey too, you don't really think of it as an art or a dance or a science. Why did you say that? Yeah. So I think when we um, look at what's happening across all sports right now, analytics is the big thing, right? Like particularly in baseball, we're seeing it start to take hold in basketball and football as well. And, you know, we all know are probably very familiar with football and or baseball, and they are very stop start sports. So it's very easy to say, if we control these parts of each play, we can predict what will happen. And it seems to be very easy even though a lot of uh, pure fans, if you will, hate it to start to predict and start to be very analytical and mathematical about your approach. Um, and hockey and even soccer to an extent are so much more free flowing that it doesn't seem to fit that model. Um, and I think I see I'm, my friends who are big baseball fans, I unfortunately am not, my apologies, um, talk about how analytics have ruined the game. Um, and you know, I think that's one thing that's going on in hockey now too is don't let all these numbers come in and like start trying to analyze something that can't be analyzed. Whereas we can, that's the science part of it, but we always have to remember the art of it, which is the magic of the game of any game. And just appreciate that we can never predict everything that's going to happen. And that's what makes players special. That's what makes teams special. That's what makes games special. So never become so locked into the math, appreciate it, but never become so locked into it that we don't forget that super crazy, amazing things can happen that we'll never, ever, ever be able to predict. And, and that's why we love sports. And couldn't agree more. And I find that such an interesting aspect, you know, from my sort of perspective as a broadcaster, I don't look into analytics as much as sometimes you look into just the game and the players itself and their backgrounds. So, you know, I, I think it's something that, yes, you're right. It is evolving. It's changing the way front offices view players and when they're going to draft or free agency. So I find that very interesting. And what makes it more interesting is you cover a team that's the newest team in the NHL, an expansive, an expansion franchise, excuse me. Can you talk about what exactly an expansion franchise is for people that may not know and how this team came together? Yeah, so uh, the NHL is now 32 teams. 
And basically, and you know, for people who followed hockey in Columbus, uh, Columbus wasn't everybody except six was an expansion team. Um, and Columbus was an expansion team back in 2000. And so the way these teams begin, if you will, is kind of crazy. And you just mentioned selecting players. Basically, the newest team gets to go out and take a player from each team in the league. Now, each existing team has some protections. So, of course, they're going to protect their best players. So they hold them close. And then if you're Seattle or whatever new team, you get to come pick those players. And then you get to go through an entry draft, just like every other sport does. Um, but hockey is, is one of those sports where, unlike football, or even basketball, when you're really high-end, talented, drafted players are pretty much automatically coming onto the field or the floor right away to make an impact. Hockey players can take longer to develop. Um, so in terms of covering an expansion franchise, not only is it interesting to watch how the team is built from a technical perspective, um, but for, again, anyone who covers the Blue Jackets, you're familiar with the coverage of Aaron Portsline, who used to be my colleague at The Athletic. He is still there. And he has covered the Blue Jackets since before they were even players, since, since right when the franchise was announced. And it's that history, the, the little nuggets, the, the anecdotes, all of that institutional knowledge that he has and is able to now use to inform everything he reports on the team as it evolves. It was that kind of experience too that drew me to this opportunity because it's been really cool to watch an entire professional sports organization evolve out of nothing. Um, and that's that's really cool and crazy. I was just about to ask, what is it like covering a new team? However, you just answered that, that you're going to see everything evolve over time in a new city and all these fans be coming together and going to the arena. So when you were covering Columbus Blue Jackets, were you when you were the beat report or you were a beat reporter for the athletic? So now in Seattle, can you tell people, I mentioned your title already, but can you tell people exactly what you're doing to cover Seattle Kraken? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about Seattle and what they're building from the ground up is a big focus on diversity and inclusion and making their organization look like the community in which they exist. And I, I am fortunate enough to be in part a benefactor, benefactor of that philosophy. So again, I did cover the Blue Jackets, but my focus was, as you said, on this data-driven storytelling approach. And the Kraken have really embraced that and said, we want to bring our fans into understanding the game with an understanding of what analytics can or cannot do. Now, they don't have to. If a fan wants to sit there and drink a beer and eat their hot dog and just cheer, that is a great way to enjoy the sport. But we want to, from day one, provide an understanding of how analytics inform the game of hockey. So my job specifically is um, I actually have a section of, of the team website that's called Analytics with Allison. And every game day, I'm writing on an analytics-driven topic about the team or about the game of hockey. So it's kind of like a game day feature. And then every post game, I'm writing an analytical review of the game. So there's game stories that we're all familiar with, but mine is a little bit more analytically focused to see what the numbers tell us about what happened in that game. And then I am on air. Um, there's two analysts for the team. I'm one of them. And I'm on air for the pregame show, the postgame show, and intermissions, breaking down plays, talking about the game, everything you're used to someone in that role doing. But again, I inform my commentary with data and with the approach that I bring to how I like to understand the sport. And what has the feedback been so far uh, of the way you are telling stories? <laughs> well, the, the community has been awesome. The Seattle fan base has been 
absolutely amazing. And unless they're all lying to me, and, and you know, no one pleases everybody, but it, it's been really cool um, to connect with a fan base that is really embracing what we're trying to do. And, and I think one of my favorite points of feedback um, was about 10 games into the season, someone was talking about uh, the team on Twitter and a fan wrote back and said, Allison has us talking about zone exits and zone entries and shot quality, which are all big principles of hockey analytics. And that, that's, the, that's the goal is just understanding if you wish to dig into understanding the game from an analytical perspective, learn how to do it, learn how to do it the right way. And, and that's, that's, that's my hope. And going from one big fan base to another, we're going to shift a little to Ohio State. Right here in Columbus, the newest national champions are the women's ice hockey team here at Ohio State. They just won about a month and a half to two months ago, I believe. And I, I would say campus knew about it. Everyone on campus was buzzing, just like any other sports team would win a championship. The women's hockey team were being honored every sports game. I, I was on the call for a game when they threw out the first pitch out of a softball game. Yep. They brought their trophy around. Everyone's wearing their jerseys. Everyone was cheering them on. However, there were some uh, there was some backlash regarding the women's hockey tournament. They weren't covered on national TV throughout the entire tournament. You had to pay for a subscri subscription service on ESPN Plus or Big Ten Plus to watch some of the games. For example, Quinnipiac for Syracuse won the first round game to advance to play Ohio State, the number one seed. You had to buy to watch. But the men's hockey, you didn't have to do that. That was covered on the ESPN networks on cable. So, Allison, I'm going to throw this back to you. Why is this happening? Yeah, I mean, how much time do we have, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and I want to say something right off the bat. Um, it is important to understand that right now in the U.S. base, hockey is probably fourth if we look at the major sports. We understand and acknowledge that football, basketball, baseball are going to be larger draws. And of course, networks are going to air what are larger draws. So we understand and do accept hockey's role in the sports universe right now. That's one whole conversation. We're not going to talk that conversation. <laughs> when we look at the coverage that hockey get does get, um, there are two disparities that were going on here. The first is the college game. Um, let's even look at basketball. I mean, how many OSU men's games can you see on a network or you see local coverage or the head coach has, you know, his Sunday show on channel 10 or wherever it is now these days, uh, you're not seeing the same attention paid to the college game when it comes to hockey. And then of course, across pretty much every sport that does have a women's version of the sport available, which is a whole nother issue, you're not seeing equal coverage. And you mentioned it, you know, I could see the big 10 men's tournament. I could see the NCAA men's tournament on quote unquote, basic cable channels. And even the women's championship game, there was a uh, shoot. What was it? There was another sporting event on ESPN two, where it was supposed to start, or I might have these channels reversed. And so they sent the game to ESPN U mm. and then flipped back halfway through the game. And so even fans who were tuned in, who were, who knew where they were supposed to go, that's not where the game was. And then at an intermission, they switched it again. So you had to figure out where to go then. Um, there needs to, you know, people talk about equality and there have been great strides, no question, but there needs to be intention behind the words of making women's sport equal. 
And there are two schools of thought that people need to reconcile. The first is build it and they will come, which is often the response of, well, when people want to see it, then when there's enough demand, then we'll put it on a bigger channel. But if you look at examples like the WNBA, if you give sport a platform, people are going to watch it and fall in love with it. The most popular game for the women's hockey uh, sport is usually the gold medal game for Olympics. And it's usually U.S. versus Canada. That game this past Olympics had better ratings than any NHL game to date. So there is data telling us that the women's game is popular, is invested in, is something people want to watch. We need media of all kinds, not just television, to put their money where their mouth is and say, we are going to cover these sports and these teams just as much as we cover the men's options of these sports and these teams. And you know, you make a great point. I was thinking as you were going on with your point that as a, I, I'm the vice president of the student radio club here at Ohio State. We were the sole radio network at the Women's Frozen Four, the sole radio network, a student radio network. There was no professional radio network. We flew our members, Zachary Rodier and Tyler Demmer, who did an excellent job of coverage, called a game-winning goal. They were featured. They got to travel with the team. Uh, they, they, they had all the access possible, and they gave it to the public, and that was one of the most listened broadcasts in Scarlet Gray Sports Radio history. So you just said it, and now I'm able to confirm that with what I was just thinking. For women's hockey and other sports that aren't covered as well, do you blame, not bl- I don't know if blame's the right word, but do you point the fingers at the media or do you point more at the NCAA who's not giving the chance to give it to the media? Yeah, I think, I think that everyone bears responsibility, right? And, um, you know, one thing I will say quickly too is that for those of us who've had the opportunity to cover particularly women's hockey, but also a lot of women's sport. If, if you're sick of watching a, a player talk and offer every cliche, just happy to be here, throw the balls deep, grind out the, you know, the neutral zone battles. Women's athletes are, are some of the most entertaining and most wonderful quotes and storytellers you're ever going to get. But I, I do think it's twofold. And, you know, I am going to pick on Ohio State here a little bit. Um, particularly for students, you know where that Ohio State rink is. That Ohio State rink was built over over a hundred years ago. This is a big 10 university. This is a top university in the nation, if not the world. And you have a sport that is representing your school playing in that facility. Go into that facility. Tell me if that meets the standards you would expect for an Ohio State team to have to play in. Schools like Michigan. Michigan has an elite men's hockey program that has existed for decades and decades and decades. They don't even have a women's team. Notre Dame, I think, has just a club women's team. To your point of the NCAA, the bigger umbrella, the women's tournament was at Penn State this year, which is a beautiful facility, one of the few, if not the only, built to accommodate both a men and a women's side. But the the NCAA did nothing to promote the game other than host games. And that if you've been to Penn State, you know it's in the middle of nowhere. You had a captive audience. You could have had panels. You could have had learn to play, learn to skate situations. There were a bunch of former players there. They did nothing to advance the publicity and the interaction with the game. So yes, the programs that are supposedly building this sport and building opportunity for women, 
can do more. Similar, similarly, like you said, the media can do more too. There are stories to be told in every sport. We send reporters to cover high school sport. We send them to cover travel teams of certain levels. Why are we neglecting the women's teams? We should be looking at if a university in Ohio State does this, if you go to sport, every single team is listed on a dropdown on their website. Who is covering these sports? And if we are not, that means we are selecting which sports to give a platform to, and we are controlling the narrative as opposed to sharing as many narratives as we can. And if we are in media, that is on us. And you make a very good point of Ohio State students, they should know where this rink is. It's right by the football stadium that I know all the students go to. I personally go there. I've gone to the rink before, so I know where it is. It's right near St. John's as well, uh, St. John Arena or the Shonstein Center, where they watch basketball games and thousands of people go to. So it's right in the middle of campus. It's not like it's so far away. Where it's like, uh, uh, it's a 20-minute drive. Mm, it's a 40-minute walk. Like, it's not that. It's just that it's not as advertised, it feels like. Mm. And something that I also realized, when it came to the national championship for the women's hockey team, it felt like on social media prior to the game, not a lot of people knew about it. But after Ohio State Athletics would post, you're like, oh, wait, they won? So then there is that situation of how much social media is now getting put into this because we talk about the, the media attention when it comes to the news or on TV, but social media is massive now. Everyone's on Twitter. Everyone's on Instagram. You have a very large following on Twitter. If people knew about this, they would have tuned in if they knew more about it prior. It just felt like Ohio State Athletics didn't do enough prior to it However, they were, it felt like to me, Ohio State decided to publish more that the Big Ten basketball tournament was going on at that time. The women's basketball team also had just come off losing in the semifinals, going on to March Madness. So they are competing with other sports at the time, but it felt like Ohio State could have done more to promote the best women's hockey team in the country. They were the one seed in that tournament. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, for people who haven't followed this program, what this specific era of women's hockey at Ohio State is doing is revolutionary. Um, if you look at the history of the program and this coach, this group of players over the last four to five years is really overhauling what it means to play women's hockey at Ohio State. Um, not only were they the number one team, that's the first time in program history they've been the number one team. And you know, when we speak about investment and who's responsible, these are the layers of where this goes to, you know, every team at Ohio State has an SID, right? Someone who's helping advocate and tell the stories. How many SIDs are purely dedicated, and I don't know, but how many SIDs are purely dedicated to just football? Because we are feeding that machine and I get it, right? I get it. But is the SID who's promoting Ohio State women's hockey dedicated to just women's hockey? Or do they have to cover two to three sports? And that is a strain on the resource. Again, Resources need to be dedicated in all ways. How many times have we renovated the horseshoe? We are building new sports facilities at the new little sports, whatever it's called, complex where everything's kind of coming together. New lacrosse stadiums. New, which again, that's awesome. I am here for the benefit of a successful university like Ohio State rising all levels of all sports. But again, the women are playing in a rink that has existed for over a hundred years. It is time for new facilities for this program. It is time for the men's program to, if you follow a sport, and, and we all know this, let's go back to our football analogy. 
we all know the universities that you tease because of what their stadium looks like, or is their stadium full, or what they do or do not are perceived to have. If you make a tour of the women's hockey scene and look at the other arenas that are being built for programs that are successful and compare that to what Ohio State is doing, it's a pretty stark difference right now. And the women's program, all women's sports deserve better in this way. Again, if universities and the NCAA and the Big Ten and take all of these organizations that are involved in this sport, say, we believe in women's sport, hold yourself accountable and say, again, have a checklist. If there's a men and a women's, are we giving them the same? Are we, are we, are we at every level at staff support, at facilities, at resources, at equipment, at nutrition, at training, at jerseys, at recruiting? If we are giving them the appropriately commensurate amount of investment as we are giving other sport, then we've done our job, but we are not yet there. And to the SID point, as someone who covers media here at Ohio State, I know for a fact that the SIDs for the women's hockey team, men's hockey team, they cover multiple sports within the same season. So you are putting resources everywhere, but at the same time, they're not really able to do everything. Mike Bassford, the men's lacrosse, I cover men's lacrosse here for the student newspaper. He does men's lacrosse and softball. They're both currently in season. He's doing two sports right now. Gary Pettit, the men's basketball SID, is currently covering men's tennis and baseball two sports that are going on right now. I can go on and on on how these SIDs, they have very tough jobs. Credit to them. They do, I think, a very good job in the coverage and getting the media at least what they need to know in order to put stuff out for the public. However, there's not enough of them and there's not enough of resources because those SIDs, they're not just doing game notes and stat broadcast during the game. They're also doing the social media and they may have an intern. They may. That's why I say that in the most emphatic way possible. They may have an intern. So I, I just, now I'm thinking about it. When you look at the Ohio State men's hockey team, they play in the Schottenstein Center. Very large, very nice arena. Women's hockey doesn't play there. Why? I'm just curious. You cover both teams. How big of a difference does that make to be playing in that type of arena? Versus those you women's hockey rink. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I will echo your point too, Matt. I cannot say enough good things about every SID I have worked with at Ohio State. They are tremendous professionals. And to your point, the amount of work they're accomplishing is outstanding. Um, and they are doing everything they can to promote these sports, these players, and serve as a support structure for the teams at the same time. Um, you know, I understand in theory the idea of the shot for the men's hockey team, and they have really made the most of that opportunity. The problem is it, you know, just like you wouldn't play basketball in a baseball stadium, um, playing a college hockey game in a college basketball arena, which in some ways is even bigger than a college basketball arena maybe should be because of events, we get it, um, can detract from the experience. You can have 10,000 hockey fans, which is an exceptional draw for college hockey. And it can feel unattended, unsupported, because there's so much empty space. So having a hockey dedicated facility for both programs would really be an essential step. Again, if we look at the schools that are quote unquote at the same in the same league as Ohio State, Penn State, dedicated hockey facility, Michigan, dedicated hockey facility, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, dedicated hockey facilities. So 
I might have one in Minnesota and Wisconsin wrong. So I'd have to check that. But again, if we are the Ohio State University, are we giving all of our programs equivalent investment versus not? And if we are investing in one side, are we investing in both the women's side as well? And we've been talking about the negatives and the disparity. However, I want to I wanna end more positively for our listeners, growth. There's been a lot of growth in women's sports over the years. We were talking about before off-air, the growth of the women's basketball tournament this year, the NCAA tournament on ESPN. They had a mega cast, multiple channels you could watch the game on with different broadcasters, different angles, and hear different vantage points, which in the past, they've only done for the college football playoff, which, as we mentioned, football's the dominant sport. It's, it's proven that they, they get the revenue, they get the viewers. However, you can give the opportunities and the access to these other sports and people will watch. And just for that, the NCAA women's basketball tournament was the most watched tournament. It was a sold out arena in Minneapolis at Target Center. There are opportunities. And just today, the Big Ten women's basketball tournament is going to Minneapolis next year. So they're going to their own downtown and the men's is going back to Chicago. So now they're getting their separate places. They have their own. It, Minneapolis is going to be dedicated to only women's basketball tournament next year. The men's is going to be all in Chicago. When I covered the women's basketball tournament this year in Indianapolis, it was just the Big Ten tournament. It wasn't the Big Ten women's tournament. It wasn't the Big Ten men's tournament. It was just the Big Ten tournament. So there are opportunities. There are there have been growth. Excuse me for my email. The women's basketball coverage proved that it worked and that people wanted to watch such a great game. And it ended up being a great game with two great teams. Yeah. And I, I think it, it really is, you know, I think back to, again, I grew up in Columbus and I think back to when I, I was lucky that where I was going to school at the time finally got lacrosse um, for women, because before, if you were a girl in the spring, all you could play was softball. That was it. That was really all there was. Um, but the growth in, in all of the sports has been exceptional. I mean, I think back to, um, the, the women's uh, final four was here in Columbus a few years ago and we lived downtown at the time and it was amazing. I mean, you couldn't even get a ticket if you wanted them because it was so popular and such a hot in high demand. Um, we're really seeing, we are seeing opportunity open up for these sports and then we are seeing the trailblazers in these sports continue to demand better for those who come after them. And I think that's really exciting. And to bring it back to Ohio State women's hockey, you know, I think if you look at this coaching staff and some of the core, core, core players um, back when Nadine Muzerall, who is the current coach, came to this program, there was a fundamental shift of we are no longer going to just be happy to be here. We are going to set a standard and we are going to strive for some really big goals. And I think that reflects what's happening in the sports across the spectrum and across the country and hopefully across the world. And, you know, I think that to your point and kind of what we've been talking about, go watch one of these games. You know, I tell people all the time, it, women covering the women's game at Ohio State, they, those were actually my favorite games to go to. Even of Blue Jackets games, they were my favorite um, because I love how the game is played. The skill that is demanded of those players is really exceptional. It, we're giving opportunity for people to check these sports out and we are pushing forward. We're seeing more people involved than ever. We're seeing more talent come up than ever. Uh, we're making strides. We are. But um, as is most of us who are passionate about anything, we're not going to be satisfied until we can get up to 
at least an equal playing field um, with other sports that are out there. I couldn't agree more. And to your point of some of your favorite sporting events for the women's sport events, I was dedicated to covering the women's basketball team this year, whether I was the broadcaster on Big Ten Network or just on the radio here at Ohio State. They made it farther than the men's team to the Sweet 16. They had an unbelievable season with an unbelievable team and great storylines. I just enjoyed those games because the quality and Ohio State was winning. So I think that was a benefactor as well. I think the quality was there. However, now I look back at Ohio State, sometimes just those games weren't as advertised that, you know, I I know we keep going back and forth in the disparity, but the the attendance at the Ohio State women's basketball games is not what the attendance of the Ohio State men's basketball games is. One of the Biggest turnouts for Ohio State women's basketball, I believe, was 9,000 against Indiana, who was a top five team at the time visiting. There might have been, and they advertised all student tickets are free for women's. However, for men's, you pay $100 for the season. Right. I just, you know, it's just a very frustrating thing when you hear that because you're just proving everybody's point of, well, there's more to do okay, start charging students for tickets or however, start making raffles or just making it more, what's the right word? Making it more out there because also when you go into the Shotsian arena, they cover the top concourse for the women's teams, but not for the men's. There are people that sit up there up in the nosebleeds, if you like to call them the nosebleeds. So there's just ways that they're in a way avoiding giving these opportunities for the women's And I think that's something that not even just Ohio State, but college athletics, the media, different news outlets need to work on because at the end of the day, it's been proven, you said statistics and analytics, that people will watch women's sports and people will want to watch. You mentioned that stat that I haven't stopped thinking about. The women's uh, U.S. hockey versus Canada game was more viewed than any NHL game. It's right there. Mm-hmm. And yes, people love rooting for their team. USA are very passionate. They're patriotic, but that doesn't matter. They still want to watch that women's hockey game. And it was a quality game that ended up just, I don't, I don't remember who won exactly. Canada, unfortunately. And I, I'm <laughs> glad I didn't say USA because I was like, oh, I'll say USA. However, Canada ended up winning. It was still a good game. And it was proven that people want to watch. Yeah. And I think, you know, I th- it's interesting. It, it's a constant battle and, you know, the women's hockey right now at Ohio State, the tickets are free as well. And I, I can understand a, a pattern of thinking to say, we'll make it free so more people will come. Um, but I think that we really have to continue to question how do we, to your point, continue to draw people to these sports that maybe aren't as well known or as well supported without saying, well, we're just accepting or assuming no one's going to want to come to these games. So just make it free and that way maybe more people will come. And again, I understand how we got to that point, but I think we need to challenge that. And, and you know, one of the points I always like to make about women's hockey and, and right now in this time, you know, when I played, again, I played lacrosse and when I played lacrosse in high school, there was nowhere for me to look to see lacrosse players past that. Even now there, is, there are attempts happening, but there isn't a place for so many women's athletes in college, and we're talking about elite athletes across many sports other than basketball, to even contemplate a full-time career in sport, playing the game after you graduate from college. And that's such a huge disparity from what we know our male counterparts 
experience. And, and, you know, I always say when I talk about why this is so important, we're at a, this is a time when young girls, people in school are looking to see what opportunities are interesting to them and to think if it's even possible for them to do it. And 10 years ago, if a girl walked into a Blue Jackets game or really any NHL game, the only women she saw associated with the team were if there were ice girls cleaning the ice. You don't see women's players on the ice. You don't, you did not, you do now. You did not see women officials. You did not see women's co women coaches. You are now just starting to see women in front office positions. And that is why this is so important is that if we really say we believe in equality, people need to see themselves as a future path. They need to see role models. That doesn't mean they need to have posters of these people on their walls, but they need to see it's possible for a woman or a person of color or a person of any gender or a person of any economic background to say, if I apply myself, I do see that it's possible because there are opportunities that exist. And that is the trickle down importance of how do we grow the game? What acquisitions do we make? Do we make tickets free so that people can come? Fine. But don't do that because you think no one cares or stop there and say, we did enough to hopefully people will come and they'll tell us if they want to see more. There is a feedback loop. Fans, media, et cetera, ratings will tell us what people want to watch. But we also need to push the narratives forward so people get the opportunity to tell us if they do even like it or not. And that's what's not happening. Allison, I really appreciate you coming on today. This is a great conversation. And I hope change does come eventually or not eventually soon because that that's the goal at the end of the day and it's start we're starting to see some growth and if you want to check out allison where can people find you on social media or on root sports network when's your next time we'll, we'll see you on tv well for people in ohio um unfortunately we're a regional network so unless it's a national game um unless you have espn plus you can't see me um, and our season is about to end, unfortunately, but my work is at nhl.com slash Kraken, K-R-A-K-E-N. And online on Twitter, I'm at Allison L. Um, and I'm always there for any questions anyone has. Thank you so much. That's Allison Crack. Oh, excuse me. Wow. <laughs> Brain fart. Did not expect that to happen. My apologies. Oh. Allison Lucan of the Seattle Kraken. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on The Intersection.